Welcome to ABQC's podcast. I'm Lauren Trees, and I lead the Knowledge Management Research Program for ABQC. And I'm joined today by one of our fantastic keynote speakers we have lined up for our 2021 Process and Knowledge Management Conference. And the theme for this year's conference is Navigate the Now. And when we bring everyone together in Houston this October, we really want to focus on practical ideas and tactics to help people deal with the issues immediately in front of them. And also, of course, cultivate new ideas and skills and competencies for whatever the world throws at us next. And today I'm joined by Lance Wheeler. Hi, Lance. Thanks so much for joining us. Oh, thank you. It's wonderful to be here. Thanks for having me. And Lance is the director of Columbia University's Digital Storytelling Lab and a world-renowned thought leader and speaker on the ideas of modern storytelling. And Lance, I see you as a, a perfect choice to help us navigate the now because we're all trying to figure out how to communicate through new mediums and how to reinvigorate and, and in some cases redirect our organizational cultures after this weird period of, of Zoom life. So let's get into it. When we spoke last year, you were saying that storytelling helps us understand the world around us. And so I was curious what role storytelling has played in, in allowing all of us to process the experience of the last year, in, in your opinion. Sure. Well, I think um, stories are something that we use uh, definitely to make sense of the world around us. And, and that's something that's been going on for quite some time. Um, and this idea of um, narratives, this notion that there are many stories within a larger arch of a narrative um, is, is interesting. And, and I think in, in relation to what we've gone through or have been going through in, in regards to COVID, um, I think storytelling is something that helps us to connect to one another and helps us to connect to the environment that we find ourselves within. And, and, and I think when uh, a certain degree of ambiguity is thrusted upon us, like was in, in 2020 and, and, and is continuing to be now, um, you know, stories are ways in which we can give structure to our ideas and ways in which we can give structure to um, uh, a sense of where we might want to go or how we might get there. Right. And I think, uh, that's really important. And, and, and you saw kind of the rise of, um, you know, more hybrid or remote based work, uh, in 2020 and trying to figure out how to kind of use these productivity tools in interesting and dynamic ways. Um, and what, you know, how could we, you know, connect, uh, you know, in the sense we weren't able to physically connect over that time, but how could we virtually connect and what does that look like? And so in the sense of using stories as a way to do that, there are certain universal qualities that exist within stories, certain things that um, will, you know, if you look at, at stories, they'll have certain themes that are related to uh, to why, you know, like what a story contains and how. I think if you start to look at 21st century storytelling, there becomes more of a notion of like seeing a trace of yourself within that larger story, right? And then, and I think if you look even beyond that, the sense of agency that you have within the story and how you're able to not only, uh, you know, tell or share or be able to process those stories, but the, the sense that, you, you know, the agency that you have within that, in, in that environment. And I think in 2020, we had a, a sense of a lack of agency 
you know, it was something where a lot of the things that we had seen as being normal were taken away from us and we had to adapt. Um, and then I think the, the beauty of it uh, is, you know, how in terms of thinking about the way that we tell those stories, there's a real value to not just forgetting where we just were and trying to rush back to what we assume is normal or what we want to be normal. But there were a lot of really valuable things that happened over, you know, the last, you know, year and a half that, uh, that we can apply and move forward. And, and I think, um, you know, being able to understand where we, you know, what we choose to carry forward and what we leave behind is an act of storytelling, right? It's those things that we feel have the most emotional resonance. It's those things that we feel have the most power in terms of being able to not only communicate, but being able to, uh, to lead us towards a sense of where we want to go, right? Like the conference is really going to be about navigating now. In order to navigate the now, it takes an understanding of what came before, where we currently are in the moment, and what could come in the future. And I think, if anything, uh, coming out of this, it, it makes it even more important to realize that uh, the level of uh, connectedness that we not only crave as human beings, but that we can you know, carry forward in the value that can come from that. So that means like, how do we actually, you know, how do we actually leave room and space to be able to hear those stories that different people have, even if maybe in some ways those stories aren't things that we necessarily want to hear, um, you know, and how do we, how we hold space for that. So, so I think, um, I think storytelling as, as a whole is, uh, is an interesting area. You know, stories have beginning, middles, and ends. You know, uh, uh, Godard famously said, uh, the, the filmmaker famously, famously said that he made films with beginning, middles, and ends, but not necessarily in that particular order. And I think, you know, 2020 really kind of threw us into that. You know, like whatever our perceived kind of goals were, whatever, our, you know, strategy we had in place, all of that was totally disrupted, right? And whatever narrative or story that we were telling ourselves totally became something different. And we had to uh, find ourselves in an uncomfortable environment and try to adapt. Um, but at the core of that, I think, is the, is the human story that, that kind of transcends that. And so I would say, you know, moving forward with that and recognizing the value within those human stories uh, as we move back, hopefully, to some form of normalcy, um, you know, what, what is it that we can carry with us that, um, that we can use to shape those, you know, the, the movement into the future. One of the things I find really interesting about your work is not just the message of stories, but the, the medium. And I feel like what you're saying there intertwines those two. So I want to go back to the messages a little bit later and especially ask you about this concept of, of agency and how that plays out. But first, I want to kind of ask you more the, the medium and the channels and the tools question and just how social distancing restrictions and the increase of, of virtual experiences and now we're shifting more into these hybrid experiences how does that change how you tell stories, uh, both for you and, and also for the kinds of organizations that are going to be at the conference? Yeah, well, I, I think that um, 2020 was really interesting because I, I went into it. I had a, a physical installation that I was going to be doing. It was it, it successfully launched it, launched at the Tribeca International Film Festival, and I booked it. I had commissions to run it all over 
the place. And uh, 2020, you know, obviously everything changed with that. And so instead of just shelving that project, I, I decided to start to look at what were the core elements that made the project so powerful and how could I adapt them into a virtual or, you know, a virtual environment and what might that look like? And so that piece really was about um, connection. That piece was really kind of about uh, navigating uh, memories and, and navigating a space together. Um, and so I thought, oh, it'd be very interesting to kind of see what, what could, how could I do that now? So what had been a physical installation of about 1400 square feet in a, in a storefront in Tribeca uh, became kind of this virtual experience um, that I started to use uh, Zoom and Miro for, right? So I decided that I was going to subvert productivity tools and turn them into collaborative storytelling and sense-making tools. And I started to learn that there was a real power to uh, elements of, you know, in an environment with cameras, Sometimes there was a real power to not using the cameras at all. Sometimes there was a real power to having a collaborative kind of space, like a whiteboard, like Miro, where we could do something together and we would just turn off our cameras and we'd leave our mics live. So you would have this ambient score and soundtrack. And I would often, you know, start uh, events that I was running or classes that I was doing with us, you know, collaging something something so simple, but through those collages, you started to see like a really interesting, not only individual stories, you started to see the importance of what people, what people held that they felt was important, the values that they carried, what they, what they, um, what they felt uh, resonated not only for them, but then they could start to see the universal, you know, like the universal nature of it. And other people started to share things too. So those, when we were doing those collages during the, the pandemic, for instance, I would ask, I would say, oh, um, so let's, 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 uh, let's collage, you know, together the, the last, you know, six months. And so people would start with like what they were watching and then they would start with the things that they, you know, they, there'd be this idea of like how they've been locked away in certain places and they were limited to their travel. And then it would start to move into some of those things that were really related to those fears or anxieties or those hopes. Um, and you would start to see them kind of emerge. And then after doing that collage, we would go into like this really dynamic kind of conversation about like, okay, well, what, what, what can, you know, what do we want this environment to be moving forward, right? Like, how do we want to potentially learn together, work together, collaborate? How do we do that? So in some instances, I found myself realizing there were different types of modalities of interactivity, right? And those modalities were things that were incredibly valuable, some of which, as I mentioned, taking away a certain degree of agency. Other things were just thinking about the ways in which we were using the tools and, uh, you know, just doing it so it would allow for more of a creativity or would ignite the imagination of the people that I was with. The fact that it became like such a fatigue, you know, to be in those environments in the way that they were. And it just all of a sudden accelerated. I, I found myself in more meetings than I thought I ever had before, you know, and, and more like face to face. And it had to be through face to face with Zoom. And it was like it was almost like we were trying to make up for the productivity through like this extended, like 2d environment where we're just looking at each other continually. And the productivity of some of those meetings was just really questionable. You know, it was just kind of like, okay, are we here? So you can see that we're here or are we here because we feel that we've lost 
control over these other elements that we had? You know, are we trying to manage the work? Because like, if I don't see you, you might not be doing what I need you to do. Yet, the more that we kind of relaxed some of those things and the more that we leaned into the moment that we found ourselves in, and some of that would be through just, a, uh, you know, people sharing the mundane, you know, um, it led to more dynamic uh, activity. And then uh, some of that was driven by, um, there's a big thing that we do, uh, both in my own work and the work of the lab, is the rotation of people, right? This idea of like, here's a moment that you're doing something by yourself. Here's a moment where you're paired with somebody else. Here's a moment where you're working in a team. Here's a moment where you're back reflecting by yourself, right? And, and so we ended up doing a lot of kind of rotations and movements to stimulate things. Um, and uh, that was really powerful. And then we would do really simple things where we would say like, you know, okay, we, 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 uh, I ran all these speculative kind of uh, design uh, kind of workshops, you know, cause there's no better way to kind of understand the future than prototyping. Right. And when you prototype those things, it's really helping you understand the present. Right. So we would do this really powerful thing where we would say, okay, look around you and find something in your space that you feel represents a value that you want to carry into the future. Right. And somebody would find an object and then they would have that object and they'd be like, okay, this represents what I want to carry into the future. And then we would end up, you know, like pairing them with somebody else and they would go through a series of prompts and just ask each other why that object, what was the value that they wanted to carry forward. And then all of a sudden we were surfacing these values and these things that we thought would work, uh, organizationally kind of moving into the future, right? So we took the moment, even though we were so splintered, to use some of those tools and some of that collaboration as a way to map strategies that we would be using, like, for instance, at the university, like, what's a classroom without walls? How, what can we learn from that? And how can we build those environments? And what, what, what is it that's needed in order to, um, to make them powerful or effective, right? Like at Columbia University, we're a destination university, right? We're in the center of the New York, a beautiful campus. People come from all over the world. But we found ourselves in terms of we had to pivot, right? In, in the sense that we had to provide a high level educational experience with the limitations of what we had to work with. And so that's where I think leaning into this idea of experience design was really powerful, right? Like it wasn't just, it wasn't just the meeting itself. It was like, what led to the meeting? How did we onboard somebody into it? And then we were in the meeting itself. And then what, what were the things that we were going to, whether they were action items or what we would carry forward. And so we found ourselves kind of building these really kind of the collage that I mentioned at the top, we started to use those collaging activities and uh, as ways to kind of map strategies um, and to build like this really dynamic learning environment that then when we went back at the end of the semester, for instance, we could see the path all the way through kind of that past year, uh, which was really powerful as not only a way to chart the future, uh, but also to be able to reflect on where we had come. 
so many different thoughts based on what you're sharing. I feel like a lot of organizations, whether it's training or uh, meetings, have tried to take what they did face-to-face -face and translate it letter for letter into the online environment. And you have exactly what you're talking about, people staring at each other on Zoom all day long, but not leveraging the value that you can get out of the, the modality that you have and not using virtual whiteboards. Or I love what you're saying, using the fact that people are at home and they have uh, signifying objects and things that they can kind of pull into those conversations. So, so I'm curious, we started this conversation, you were talking about what people can carry forward and what they don't want to carry forward. Are, is there one or two things that you really want to carry forward from the work that you've done in the last year that you feel like will stand the test of the the new normal or what next normal or whatever we're calling it when we're when we're allowed to be together again? Yeah, I think like the biggest really exciting area is going to be the way in which we kind of connect the hyper local and the global right? And the way in which we can do that using, uh, you know, potentially using web pervasive tools, right? And the ways in which we can design those environments that allow for, uh, as I was mentioning earlier, um, this notion of, like, one of the core things that we do, and, and when I was mentioning some of those at the top of the podcast, in terms of this idea of trace and agency, for instance, fit into a number of principles that we use in, in terms of the work that we do and the way that we design not only learning experiences, but immersive kind of worlds, um, which is this notion of usually you'll anchor something in a theme, right? And then from there, you'll kind of make sure that you leave an element of trace where people can see some part of themselves within the experience. So then they have more of an investment in what's, what's happening. And then that notion of agency was really kind of the idea of agency of one versus agency of many, you know, in, in virtual environments, I think like that, that movement that I was talking about was really important. Here's a moment where you're an individual. Here's a moment where you're paired. Here's a moment where you're in a team and, 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 and mixing that up quite a bit. Um, and then the, the last that we often use, which I think really fits into the question that you have, is this idea of serendipity management, this notion that a lot of digital experiences tend to really try to over-design everything. They're afraid that something's going to break, you're not going to know how to use the interface, that it's going to derail. And, and um, what I think we found over you know, 2020 into now is that you know, it's kind of like the best laid plans are thrown out the window and you find yourself in this, this, uh, this moment or these moments where you have to adapt. Right. And so that idea of the serendipity management, I think what I will take forward, you know, moving forward was the collective uh, sense-making abilities and the, you know, harvesting that kind of collective insight and knowledge and channeling it into something productive right into something where we can move forward. And that's where, you know, the ingredients from all those insights started to become narratives, you know, and those individual stories that they had became things that we started to use uh, both at the lab and I used my own practice as a way to say, okay, here, here's how, here's how we could move forward. This is what it might be able to look like. So in a really tangible way, I see a rise in a value in web pervasive technologies. I see uh, the ability to play with different types of modalities, take away sound, 
allow for visual at different times, be playful in the interactions that you choose to have. And this causality, this idea of like, almost like conditional statements for uh, experiences or interactions that would be like, if this, then that, you know, but making them more collective or making them individual at certain times. Like, so for instance, in, in some of the work that I'm doing now, that piece that I said started as a physical installation, I've run, I've run it virtually about almost 70 times over the last year and a half. And I've started to uh, introduce a really interesting kind of blockchain element into it, which is uh, using non-fungible tokens, uh, NFTs in a really dynamic way that kind of subverts the nature of what the, that core technology is. It leverages the idea that the blockchain is a really interesting way to authenticate something and to have a level of transparency. But NFTs really are kind of looking at a model that's an older model, which is this idea of a collectible um, or kind of, you know, Marshall McLuhan famously said, we kind of march into the future and we shape our business models through the rearview mirror. So in a certain instance, we're kind of using those as a collectible thing. I'm doing something in the shows where people are able to ticket through an NFT. So they're able to buy a ticket for the show. When they do, they end up getting a piece of art. But because the piece itself, which is called Where There's Smoke, deals with memory and loss and uh, life, uh, the art that they actually collect deteriorates over time. So it, it like fades away, like the way a memory will fade. And, and I think that that brings up a really valuable point because it's really about designing things for an aesthetic. When I look at it, I think about what is it that I want somebody to be thinking or feeling or, you know, while they're doing whatever this activity is. And so in a lot of ways, I'm bringing that into what I'm doing, right? Like I'm taking those things that I was using in experience design and bringing them into virtual environments and then realizing like, okay, it, as I go forward, there's a real value to what I know about experience design and congregating people in the real world and then doing an interesting thing where I bring some of those ingredients into a virtual space. But once we're back to normal or pseudo normal, I'm still going to, you know, take what I've learned about being in virtual spaces and apply it into physical spaces and vice versa. Right. Because I think that that's really exciting. If, if I were to say, you know, as a lot of companies kind of look at what is it to have hybrid work, right? It's like we spent all this time and a lot of resources and energy was spent in terms of like, how do we allow people to work remotely, right? And so now we're going to have a really messy phase as we like come back and we try to figure out like, okay, how, where is it productive? How do we bring people back and bring them into a meaningful space where do we allow them to still work remotely? What does the future of work actually look like? And so you have a lot of different organizations that are doing all kinds of crazy things. You know, they're closing down physical spaces and saying our workforce is only going to be remote, right? You know, and then you have others that are going to bring them all back, you know, and celebrate the fact that they're all back. But there's going to be a level of shock, you know, to that and a messiness to that, that in terms of the communication, in terms of the way they share the knowledge of what they just had over this time and how do they bring that in and what's the institutional knowledge, you know, cause I, I don't know, I don't want to sound pessimistic. I'm a very optimistic person, 
But I think we're moving into the age of pandemics, right? I think we're moving into a different time. And I think we're going to, you know, return in some way to the lessons that we've learned. Um, and I think that there's some really great organizational lessons there, you know, in terms of like, if you can organize people virtually, you can definitely organize them in the real world, you know, um, so. But that hybrid experience does carry its own set of challenges, especially if you half of your team is in a room and half of them are on Zoom. I have experienced that a lot. And it's it, it has its own set of headaches. <laughs> so I feel like you've been touching on this last question that I have, and I want to make sure we get there. And, and it's really about how organizations can, can use some of the tools that you're talking about to, to drive behavior, um, to make people feel something and therefore do something, and, and how you might be able to use that if you're an organization for things like change management or shifting the organizational culture and what your recommendations are from that perspective. Yeah, well, I think that, um, you know, how to apply these uh, you know, like how to apply, you know, what we've experienced over the last uh, X amount of time and, and make it meaningful as we kind of transition back. Um, I think active listening is incredibly important, right? Like, and, uh, and when I say that, I mean, doing it or, or holding space for it so people feel like they're truly being heard. Um, and being able to show and demonstrate how you did actually listen not just having a moment. Because I think we're in a situation where there was a lot of trauma that just happened, right? And like inherently um, that has to be processed, you know? And I think that, you know, a lot of people are gonna try to just come back and start to just pick up with where they left off. So I think being able to meaningfully listen and realize that we just went through a really traumatic set of experiences. And a lot of people lost people. You know, people that they love, people that they knew, it affected them or they lost things that they considered to be really uh, important in their lives, um, even outside of the human loss that uh, was there. So I, I think the active listening thing is a really important thing. Um, I think the other element I would encourage people to, to leave time to, I think there's going to be a whole wave of new tools uh, that are being developed. I know of some really interesting things that people are doing that uh are coming out of the the moment that we were in, you know, like the, the idea of that have even forced, you know, like companies like zoom to integrate things that they probably would have not integrated previously. Right. Like this idea of like, here's interesting ways that you can use green screens, you know, here's a way that you can be immersive in a space that, you know, uh, would allow for you to feel like more of a sense of intimacy with others. Um, so I, I think you're going to see a rise of really interesting new tools and uh, things that could be applied. I would also encourage people to think about ways that they could subvert some of these tools. Just because a tool works in a certain way doesn't mean that you can't change, you know, the way in which it operates. Like often in my class, I'll uh, I'll show two different uh, two different screens. I'll show a screen that shows, like for instance, a Facebook feed. And then I'll show something where I'm pulling from the Facebook API and I'm taking the data from the feed and representing it visually, right, in a totally different way. And I'll ask my students, which one is Facebook? And they'll say, oh, that one. And I'll say, well, no, they're actually both Facebook because we're, we're pulling the data and we're just doing a visualization of it. Uh, you know, so that notion of like, how can you subvert these tools? 
and how might you be able to do interesting things with them? So in, in terms of uh, being able to uh, allow people to be more creative in the way that they are interacting. So, you know, the act of listening, subverting the tools, leaning into the possibility of web pervasive based technologies, and then also really thinking about is there, is there, um, is there a way or is there an opportunity to uh, start to weave into your practice um, things that allow you to embrace ambiguity, right? Like I think, how can you, how can you become more comfortable with ambiguity within the workplace? What does that look like? And I think if you were to take the time to talk to the folks who are in your organizations about the ways that they adapted over the, the, the course of COVID, you would find really interesting insights that you then could take and apply into everyday work or apply into ways that you could help to maybe make that transition back a little less messy because we all adapted, right? Like we were adaptive creatures by nature, right? So uh, whether we like it or not, we adapt. So it'd be interesting to kind of see, uh, you know, what kind of insights came from that process, you know, how people dealt with, the balance of like all of a sudden all their kids are at home at the same time that they're at home, they're trying to do the work that they need to do. Uh, you know, like that work life balance um, is something that I think is important, you know, cause it got so it bled together so much, you know, and I'd say, how are we aware of that, you know, life work balance, you know, as we return to some form of normalcy. Well, and as we think about the culture piece, that trace and that agency and people seeing their own experiences reflected in the broader story of the organization, I think is so important as we try to bring people back together physically or just emotionally and culturally. Absolutely. Yeah, well, I'm super excited uh, to join everybody in October. Um, so, you know, thank you very much. Thank you so much for joining today, Lance. And thank you everyone for listening to this APQC podcast. If you like what you heard, please subscribe to APQC podcasts and visit apqc.org to learn more.